Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our message is the gospel lesson, the account given to us by Mark of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Well, legendary football coach Bear Bryant was in the barbershop Monday after a rough loss on Saturday. And as he's getting his haircut, the barber finally says, You know, coach, that young quarterback cost us the game with those turnovers. You know, I don't think I would have taken out the starter if, um, just because he had a bad start. And Bear Bryant paused for a moment and then said, Well, if I had till Monday to make that decision, I probably wouldn't have either. <laughs> Today is the Super Bowl, right? And one of the teams is going to lose, and the coach of that losing team is going to get lots of advice about what he should have done better, right? Because everybody's an expert. Every fan's an expert, and every commentator's an expert. Everybody has an idea of what should have taken place. But who does he listen to? Who do you listen to? Because it's not only true of a football coach. People in the world just have lots of advice for you, right, in certain situations. If you're ill or sick, they tell you what medications to take. If you're planning on getting married, they have advice about what to do for the wedding and the marriage to follow. And boy, if you're a parent, everybody knows what you should do with your children. But who do you listen to? It's also true with our spiritual life. There's lots of people out there that want to be your advisor. What you should do about your faith. Who should you listen to? Well, the obvious answer is our Lord, right? We know that we are to listen to our Lord. But I find it fascinating that the Father in Heaven had to remind Peter, James, and John to listen to the Lord. It's a reminder that we need to hear that. We need to listen to the Lord. And so what we're going to do this morning is go back over Mark's version of the Transfiguration and be reminded that of who Jesus is, what he's come to do, and how he's come to accomplish it, and why it is that we are to listen to him. So if we go back to the beginning, we pick it up in verse 2. After six days Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, and led them up high, a high mountain by themselves. So, so Jesus is taking these three disciples off by themselves. It's important to remember the context here. Earlier in the chapter, the previous chapter, Peter had made a wonderful confession. He said, you are the Christ. And at that point, you're thinking, Peter's listening. He knows. He understands. But then when Jesus explains to him what it means to be the Christ, that he must be handed over, arrested, handed over, and then crucified, die, and then rise, Peter says, no, it can't be. So, so Peter was kind of listening, but not listening to it. What Peter was really listening to was his own mind and his own idea of who the Christ should be. He had his preconceived notions about who the Messiah was. So when he says, you are the Christ, he had an idea of what that was. And so Jesus is taking Peter, James, and John up on this mountain to reveal to them who he truly is. And especially how he was going to accomplish this task. And we see a parallel with us this morning. There are many voices telling us who Jesus is and what he has come to do. We even have in our own minds who Jesus is and what he should do. But isn't our idea of Jesus shaped by our own desires, our own goals, our own thoughts? We need to hear from our Lord who he is. And don't we have that opportunity when we gather around his word and worship? Doesn't the Lord take us aside so that we can listen to him? Be told who he is and understand how he has accomplished his will and how he will continue to do that in our lives.
So they go up the mountain, and we continue on with the text. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And so Jesus is transfigured, he's changed, he's, he's glorified before them. What's taking place is Jesus is like pulling back the curtain and showing to these disciples who he truly is in all of his glory. He's showing the fullness of God in, in power and glory. But keep in mind, by doing this, isn't he demonstrating that this is often hidden? That God's plan is that, that he is God in his fullness, but he's not going to display his glory the way that Peter and the disciples the reason that Peter didn't want Jesus to suffer and die is that he had the idea of, of Jesus in his glory, not in his humility. He, he wanted Jesus to demonstrate his power to bring about his kingdom. But the very fact that it was hidden is indicating to the disciples that, yes, he is truly the Son of God, but he's come to accomplish his task in humility, not in power. Not in the way the world would expect, but by humbling himself, which include a, a, a rest, an arrest, a cross, a death, a crucifixion, and then the fullness of his glory. You see, we often also like the idea of having a glorious God. We want Jesus to display his power. We want him to fix our problems and fix them quickly. Put everything right for us. Maybe even do a miracle to make everything right. We don't want to wait for our Lord to work in humbly through us and through others, through creation. But we're reminded that's the way the Lord does work. He is truly the God of God, Lord of Lord, and King of Kings. He is the fullness of that. But he works things humbly. He works things through creation. He comes to serve. But we continue. Verse 4. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. So now Moses and Elijah appear, key figures of the Old Testament that, that, that pointed to Christ. Really, they were a visual of the Old Testament. The, the scriptures up to that point were known as the Law and the Prophets. And here you have Moses, the, the one through whom the law was given. You have Elijah, the, the great prophet of the Old Testament. It's a visual of, of the law and the prophets, the scriptures pointing to Christ and that he is the fulfillment of the scriptures. And as this happened, Peter does what Peter does. He acts. He, he can't keep quiet, so he's got to say something. So he says, well, I'll build three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And Mark tells us that he and the other disciples are overwhelmed by the experience. They're frightened. But he may not have intended to, but by his answer, he reveals a problem. He's making Jesus equal to Moses and Elijah. I'll build three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And we see here the problem for Peter and the other disciples of recognizing the fullness of what the Christ is or Jesus is, that he's above the prophets. Not just another prophet, but a prophet of, above all prophets. That he's really the fulfillment of the prophets. He's the fulfillment of, of Scripture. That, that there's, Peter was struggling to listen to, to the fullness of what God had to say. That there was a focus on the power, his kingship, his lordship. 
He wasn't hearing the passages from like Isaiah and Psalm 22 that talked about his suffering for the sins of the world. And as we think about that, isn't that sometimes our struggle as Christians? We have favorite parts of Scripture, which is good, but we want to lean toward those parts of Scripture that, that we want to listen to, that we want to hear. When it comes to the law, we, we much prefer that law that points out the sins of the people around us rather than that law that hits us right between the eyes. We want to look at those places in Scripture that make us feel good, not so much that bring us down and make us realize that we must rely upon the Lord. It's real easy for us to pick and choose which parts of Scripture we want to hear and not listen to the, the fullness of what the Scriptures say. And when we fail to do that, we, see, we fail to see the fullness of God's love and the fullness of what He's done for us. If we're missing parts of the Scripture, parts of the text, we're missing parts of what the Lord has expressed about ourselves and about Him and the love that He has for us. Again, back to the text. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved Son, listen to Him. And suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. Peter, James, and John are told, are reminded, listen to Jesus. This is the one you are to listen to. And notice it's done in the presence of Moses and Elijah. And really it is pointed out that Jesus is above them, that they are to listen to Christ. Whatever they heard from Moses and Elijah was to be seen and understood in the light of what Christ came to do and accomplish. This is what Jesus is doing. The Father is trying to see, for the, to have the disciples see that, that everything is put together in Christ. He is the one who has come to bring salvation. And he's come to do it in, in, in humble means, to suffer, to die, and to rise. This is what the Old Testament had forecast, and they are to follow him, even to pick up their crosses and follow him. And this is what we are to do, to listen to Christ, Listen to the fullness of Christ. Listen to the one who is God and man. Listen to the one who humbled himself, who died for you, who rose for you, and now calls you to follow him. And as he leads in humility, are we not called to follow in humility? As he suffered and he died because of the, 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 the sin of the world, are we not to recognize that there will be difficulty? But the Lord is going to lead us through it. The Lord is going to be with us every step of the way. We are called to follow him. Because notice, after the cloud disappears, it's only Jesus. Isn't there a point there from the Father? That's where our, their attention was supposed to be. That's where our attention is to be, on him. The final verse. And as they were coming down from the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen, until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they had to come down from the mountain. But notice, even as they're coming down, where's the focus? The resurrection, right? Jesus tells them, don't tell anyone. I always wonder, what do they tell the other disciples when they come down from that mountain? But whatever it is, they are to focus on Christ. Because he says, don't tell anyone until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. The focus on the resurrection. He's telling them, you will see this scene once again. You will see again me in my glory. But after I've humbled myself, after I've died, then I will rise. And this is the key to knowing who Jesus is, to, to see him in his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration because another glory is coming. 
And no matter what they would see Jesus go through, no matter what they face, the glory of God would be displayed again. And that's what we are to see. We are to look upon Christ and see in him the one who is true God with all the glory and all the power. We've not only seen the vision of Mount Transfiguration, but we've seen the risen Lord in his resurrection. That he's conquered everything. He's conquered sin, death, and the grave. That he is the one of power and glory. And we are to rely upon him and trust in him. Even when that power and glory seems hidden to us. There are moments in which we do not see it on display or wonder about it. But even in those moments, we trust the reality that he is true God who has overcome all things. So in our sin and our failure, we trust in him for forgiveness. And in our struggle, we know that we have a glorious Lord who, who lifts us up when we face the world relying upon his power as we hear him and as we listen to him. One final thought on the transfiguration. Jesus took the disciples up on this mountain to reveal who he was, to remind them to listen to him as the one who is true God and true man. And, and having seen that vision, they were equipped for what was to come. And they were also told not to tell until he had risen from the dead. But what's implied by that? There's going to be a time in which they were to tell. And they were equipped for that time as well. We've been equipped. You've been equipped by this vision of Christ and his power to live your life to his glory and honor now. And also you've been equipped to share that glory, to be a reflection of that light, so others recognize the light of Christ that has come for them and the salvation that he brings. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all human understanding guide our hearts and minds to true faith, life everlasting.